are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy bowl season. Noah Gardner here with you on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance Daw away at the Birmingham Bowl. We will be sure to get him on the air with us as soon as the game ends. It is currently about seven minutes and 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter with Auburn clinging to a 13-10 lead over the 20th-ranked Houston Cougars. Currently, they are trying to figure out if there was an interception made by Chandler Wooten for the Auburn Tigers, but we will continue to break down and analyze this game as we go on throughout the show today. We've got a packed show full of guests today. Of course, we'll get Lance Daw on. He's with me every day. He's in Birmingham today for the game. We'll get him on as soon as the game ends, as well as in hour number two, we'll have Lee Scott boys basketball head coach William Johnson as the Warriors are competing in the Border Wars tournament hosted by Glenwood. We'll talk with him at 3 p.m. about his team's performance today and what they've done up to this point in the season. We spoke with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School boys basketball assistant coach yesterday if you missed any of that go and find the podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher and iheart radio as well as coming up at 3 30 p.m today we've got jacob hillman auburn jungle president and weagle 91.1 fm sports director to tell us about this ball game today in the birmingham bowl as well as tomorrow's massive matchup for auburn basketball in the jungle against the 16th ranked LSU Tigers coming to town a lot of big games on for the Auburn Tigers throughout the week and we'll start with the ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl today as Auburn currently up 13 to 10 on Houston the second turnover of the day going against the Cougars with 747 left in the fourth quarter we will keep you updated throughout today's action but we're going to give you some of our takeaways up to this point in the Birmingham Bowl, Auburn started out today with a handful of key players out of the ball game. Of course, folks know Bo Nix transferred to Oregon, so it was T.J. Finley who got the start for the Tigers up to this point. We have yet to see Demetrius Davis. Owen Papo was out of the ball game, as well as Jacoby McClain, who declared for the NFL draft. Nick Brahms is out due to injury. Brodarius Ham declared for the NFL draft. And Roger McCreary opted out due to the NFL draft. So Auburn playing without a handful of key players. They fell down in this ballgame 10-0 to Houston and have found a way to battle it back throughout the second half. Once again, Auburn falling behind by as much as 10 points. It was 10-3 at halftime. And so far, Auburn is the only team to have scored here in the second half against this prolific Houston offense led by Clayton Toon, who started out the day 7-for-8 passing for 74 yards and a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Since that point, 
Auburn has barred the door and has not allowed Houston to get into their end zone. And it's been Auburn chipping away at it and making the key plays. No turnovers against Auburn to this point, as well as just two penalties for 20 yards. Houston with six for 34. A clean game for Auburn. They know they were shorthanded, and they knew they would have to get a clean performance. We've still got a close ball game here, 13-10, to 10, nearing that seven-minute mark. And that'll tell you, if Auburn hadn't played a clean game, they're probably not winning this one right now. They're probably still trailing 10-0 to 0 or maybe worse. And, of course, it hasn't been a perfect performance for Auburn by any means. They haven't made a ton of clutch plays. And, sure, they've had their fair share of mistakes. But limiting penalties and zero turnovers. There's been no big mistake by this Auburn offense. T.J. Finley, zero picks. Clayton Toon with two now. The difference here is Houston has made mistakes that have absolutely killed them on the scoreboard, whereas Auburn has been able to take advantage of Houston's mistakes while also limiting their own. That's been a big difference here. In the first half, Auburn had a really difficult time running the football, going into the break with it 10-3. You could tell the running game was the difference here. Houston did their job on the ground. This was called an air raid offense, which it still has a lot of air raid concepts, but this is anything but an air raid offense because they have an effective running game. Houston was averaging 6.6 yards per rush at the break, while Auburn was averaging 2.7. Auburn came out in the second half here, and this is a big reason why Auburn is up right now. Auburn now on the ground, averaging 4.2 yards per rush, up 1.5 yards per carry since that first half mark. They've been much more the explosive team on the ground. They now lead in the rushing category, 117 yards to 102 against Houston. Houston's mark has come down from the 6.6 yards per rush to the 5.7 for the Cougars. The passing game has been a little shocking here for Auburn as well. Of course, the pass run split for these two teams at halftime was almost identical. Houston had ran just one more play, and it was a rush. Both of these teams had thrown 20 passes. Houston had ran 13 times. Auburn had ran 12. Auburn has kept about that same pass run split here in the second half with 34 pass attempts from T.J. Finley, completing 19 of those for 6.7 yards per attempt at 227 total yards. But Auburn has only ran the ball 28 times for, once again, 117 yards and 4.2 yards per carry. The rushing support has helped this passing offense get over the hump just a tad. It still has been far from perfect. It's been rather inconsistent today. But the touchdown pass from T.J. Finley to Kobe Hudson is the difference maker in this game at this point. While T.J. Finley has thrown the touchdown pass since Clayton Toon's first drive, he has thrown zero touchdown passes and two interceptions. We talked on the show yesterday. Once again, if you missed yesterday's show, we went into a deep dive on the Birmingham Bowl, breaking it down and predicting how it will play out. We said that quarterback play would be the deciding factor, and that's a big reason why I picked Houston to win this ball game. And it's certainly not over yet, and Auburn's not out of the woods, but T.J. Finley has been the better quarterback today over Clayton Toon, despite the fact that Houston brought in one of the best statistical defenses in college football coming into this game. This was a team that the broadcast mentioned was the top third-down defense in college football, an opponent third-down defense percentage they get off the field 
This Houston team was allowing less than four yards per carry. Opponents were only completing 55% of their passes. Of course, Auburn still at about that mark right there with T.J. Finley at 19 for 34, but he's had some big plays in the passing game linking up with guys like Kobe Hudson for that touchdown pass. And then in the intermediate game, he's found some plays with John Samuel Shanker, even Tank Bigsby out of the backfield, who currently leads Auburn in receiving yards with five receptions for 68 yards. He's also been able to link up with Shed Jackson and Demetrius Robertson a few times. Javarius Johnson had a clutch catch on the drive that led to the touchdown pass to Kobe Hudson. I think backing up a little bit to Tank Bigsby out of the backfield, it was a rough first couple of possessions for Auburn on offense with T.J. Finley really having a hard time settling into this game. It's clear that Houston's defensive line came to play. It's legit. It's been able to hold its own up front, and if anything, at times, it has controlled the game in the trenches on the defensive side of the football for Houston. They've done a very good job, and T.J. Finley looked to be having a very difficult time settling in without run support and also some pressure bearing down upon him. What Brian Harson and this offensive coaching staff attempted to do to take some of the pressure off of him early on was get the ball into the backfield and into the hands of Tank Bigsby, who once again leads the team with five receptions for 68 yards, 13.6 excuse me, yards per reception. Tank Bigsby has been excellent today catching the football and then doing something with it out in space. And it's made me wonder, where was this throughout the entire football season? Where was this for 12 games? Because this is by far the most productive game we've seen, Tank Bigsby catching the football. And it made me think, were there differences between Brian Harson's vision for this offense and Mike Bobo's vision for this offense and I think in watching this bowl game despite the fact that Auburn has only scored 13 points and it once again hasn't been a perfect offensive display you also have to look at the fact that Auburn is playing without many of its key players today even on offense they're playing without two starters on the offensive line and key starters at that Nick Brahms has been starting and playing for four to five seasons now Broderius Ham in the same boat you're missing two veterans on that offensive line you're missing your starting quarterback you're playing shorthanded on the offensive side of the football your offensive coordinator is gone so you've had a change in leadership on that side of the ball and so I was curious about how this offense was going to look different going into this game against a very good defensive team and while it has hasn't been perfect for all of the reasons already listed I think we have seen some differences and some new wrinkles that they've added throughout bowl practice namely getting the football in creative ways to your best player on offense which is Tank Bigsby this is what we've been asking for for so long and Tank Bigsby has been able to help this Auburn team to a victory today if they can close it out here late. Tank Bigsby, 15 for 88 on the ground for 5.9 yards per carry. He's got five more touches through the air for 68 yards and 13.6 yards per reception. Of course, the defense has been making some key plays as well. I wondered throughout the week how Auburn, without a ton of blitzes, was going to be able to contain, was going to be able to limit what Clayton Toon would be able to do in the passing game. He's been a prolific passer this year for a Houston offense that can straight up score the football. And today, Clayton Toon is 24 for 37 for 237 yards passing, 6.4 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception. The backup came into the game green and threw an interception on a trick play. And so two picks from this Houston offense 
in this passing game that I think, although there has been at times high completion percentages on drives, Auburn's done a good job of limiting this deep receiving core to minimal gains. And that's where you see that with the yards per attempt being at 6.2 for this Houston team. This is a team that had vertical aspects to its offense all year long and today Auburn's been able to limit it and force negative plays by getting to the quarterback a few times he hasn't been uncomfortable but he hasn't been without pressure today Auburn's been able to get a couple of sacks and several negative plays and stopping the run as well on top of that they forced interceptions and they've been pretty good in coverage even with Smoke Monday getting ejected for targeting in this game so you look at it across the board Auburn shorthanded on defense without its best player on defense at Roger McCreary, without two of its leaders on defense in terms of calling plays for the defense and being vocal leaders for the defense in Jacoby McLean and Smoke Monday. You talk about those guys being gone, and this Auburn defense has held Houston to 10 points. Any questions about whether or not this team wanted to be there? They got answered. This team has played with a high level of effort to be able to hang tight in this game and lead over the 20th ranked team in the country. And you can make the argument, sure, Houston may not be actually a top 25 team, but the reality is they've got a number beside their name. And if Auburn wins this game over Houston, this will be a heck of a way to close out this season. And Brian Harson will avoid a first-year losing record and will avoid also being the first head coach at Auburn to have had a worse season than his predecessors last year every single other coach has either done better or done the exact same stretching back to Pat Dye Brian Harson currently looking to avoid that 530 left in the fourth quarter Houston football driving into Auburn territory Auburn is up 13 to 10 but once again you talk about this Auburn team's effort it hasn't been perfect today. It's been a clean ball game. They have played with a high level of effort, and that is a big reason why this team right now is still holding on to this 13-10 lead over Houston in the fourth quarter. We're going to keep breaking down the Birmingham Bowl as we go along in today's show. We'll have Lance Dahl joining us when the ball game concludes. Once again, about five minutes left. Auburn up 13-10. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. On the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Waiting on the Birmingham Bowl game to conclude with 335 left in the fourth quarter. Auburn leads 13-10, but Houston is on the doorstep of Auburn's red zone under four minutes left in the game. Auburn has also just seen its second ejection of the football game, its second defensive back to be ejected. Smoke Monday was the first. He was called for two targeting penalties in this game. One was reversed. The second one got him, and the Jalen Simpson now has just fallen to that penalty. And that's where I want to take this conversation next. As we continue to break down this Birmingham ball, I want to remind everybody Lance Dahl will be joining us via the phone lines as soon as the game ends. He's there at the Birmingham ball game today. We'll get his thoughts as soon as this game concludes. But I want to take this conversation next to the targeting penalty. To... The fact that if there's one thing that gets changed in college football this upcoming offseason, 
if there's one thing, the top of my list is guys getting ejected for targeting calls because it's an arbitrary call, first of all. Every single officiating crew seems to call it different. The rule is incredibly vague. And as you see with Smoke Monday today, which it did end up being a fitting end for Smoke Monday, who appeared to have an on-and-off relationship with targeting throughout his Auburn career. And I mean that as a fun-loving joke, 100%. Let's just be real. He's had that called on him a few times, and he's a big hitter. To have someone's career ended this way for something that was as light as it was on Smoke Monday is ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. Smoke Monday was called for targeting on the interception for Nehemiah Pritchett, and all of a sudden, Smoke Monday is now a blocker, and the Houston player is now a defender. The change in point of view, the change in perspective on the play because of the change of possession, to me, does not make the Houston player defenseless. So I don't understand how the block, which was high, I'll give it credit, it was high, but it wasn't a crackback block. The guy wasn't defenseless. He saw it coming. He ran into him. And if anything, it was just a hard shove. And you see Smoke Monday ejected because their helmets happened to butt together. That's ridiculous to me. Absolutely ridiculous. And then Jalen Simpson just called for one where the quarterback is sliding, and it's clear that Jalen Simpson was trying to go low on the quarterback who was, albeit he was sliding, and it's one of those unfortunate plays where it's bang, bang, and Jalen Simpson's clearly not trying to decapitate the quarterback. He's clearly not trying to clothesline him as he is sliding down on the play. He's clearly not trying to. He's trying to tackle him low as he was a runner, and then Toon goes to slide, And Simpson even appears to let up a little bit, and he hits him with the shoulder and hits him in the helmet. But he can't possibly go lower without diving headfirst like a baseball slide. And that's just not football, and that's just not reality. If you want to throw a 15-yard penalty on it to discourage players from doing it, if you even want to create a system where if a guy accrues a certain amount of targeting calls, not only throughout a game, but throughout the season, and then they get suspended and ejected, fine, do it that way. But do not eject these guys from football games with a blanket statement that if you're called for targeting with no, with no care to intentions, to no care with each individual circumstance, because every situation is different, we know this, you can't possibly create that as a blanket statement that you're going to eject a guy just because they're called for targeting, which is already in itself such an arbitrary rule. It's absurd, and it seemed like there was a lot of momentum to get that change throughout this season, and so I will be very curious to see if that actually gets changed this upcoming offseason because it needs to. It is a stain on college football, and it is destroying our game. The NFL's got its own issues with it right now, not with targeting. They at least don't eject guys. You might get a fine for an egregious hit, which I do think has done a great job of discouraging it at the next level. But on top of that, the way that they're protecting quarterbacks right now in the NFL, to me, it's not even football sometimes. It's gross. 
I saw a guy get shoestring tackled in the NFL last night. It was Tua got shoestring tackled. A Saints player was coming in low, granted, because we don't want to knock guys' heads off. Remember that? We don't want to do that. Goes in low, shoestrings him, and he's called for a penalty because he hit him low. So where are you supposed to hit him? In the stomach? That's not even – that's not practical. This is a game where people are moving and moving fast and jerking around and moving Sometimes you can't control where you hit a guy. So what are you supposed to do? Just let him sit there and throw the football? Is that what you're supposed to do? Because that'll destroy our game even more. I just don't understand what the rules... The rules aren't protecting the players. They're penalizing defensive players. Sure, to a degree, it is discouraging, absolutely destroying guys. That's already been achieved, but now you have taken it to an extreme level. You already discouraged guys getting destroyed on the football field. You already did that. You didn't have to take it a step further. You are policing a problem that does not exist. So I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it all. And I think both levels, college and the NFL, they each have their own unique issue with the physical nature of college football and the physical nature of the NFL. They both have their own unique issues with their specific definitions of the rule, but they need to fix it, and they need to fix it in a hurry. An update on the Birmingham Bowl. Houston is up 17-13 to with under three minutes left to go in the ballgame. Auburn just failed to convert on fourth down inside their own territory. Houston once again leading 17-13, to 2.42 left in the game. Auburn with two timeouts, Houston with two, and they take over in Auburn territory at the 34-yard line. So Houston basically needing one or two more first downs, and then it'll be over for Auburn, and Auburn's season will end with a loss in the Birmingham Bowl to the Houston Cougars 17-13. to It's definitely not looking good here, whereas in the second half, Auburn's come back to score 10 unanswered points until Houston finally put up the touchdown that right now is the difference in this game. It was Toon to Herslow for 26 yards on a cross route that it seemed like a couple of Auburn players got tangled up together and it created a little bit of separation. Houston right now, according to ESPN, has a 99.5 win probability. And Auburn just took one of their two timeouts. So not in a great position are the Auburn Tigers here in the Birmingham Bowl where they have been in a pretty good position for the entire second half. Even if Auburn loses this game, though, you have to applaud them for their effort and for their play shorthanded. They're without all of their key players. Aside from Tank Bigsby, you could not take another guy off of this team other than Tank, and it really have looked different than Auburn scoring 13 points right now. I don't think you could have. I just don't think it gets that much different because how much worse can you do than what Auburn has done at this point? And they've held Houston to 17 without Zacoby McLean, Owen Papo, and Roger McCreary. And now without Smoke Monday and Jalen Simpson, who have been thrown out for targeting. So any questions about whether or not this team wanted to play in this bowl game? Any questions about that? That's out the window. Auburn came ready to play. They've left it all out on the field. And I think folks should be proud of this team's effort. Likewise, I do think it is fair to criticize where Auburn is at right now and to question some of the things moving forward. Not about whether or not the right guys leading the program and whatnot, but you got to talk about offensive line play today. Auburn didn't have a consistent running game, didn't have consistent pass protection. You have to talk about quarterback play. 
Auburn, although T.J. Finley made some big plays in this game, there's also a lot of easy plays that were not made. There was a massive lack of consistency in the passing game for Auburn today, which is a big reason why they have just 13 points. So how does Auburn move forward from that through the offseason? That will be questions pointed towards the offense. Is the current quarterback for 2022, is it on the current roster? Is the starter for next year on this roster? Because being frank with everybody, unless Holden G is it, unless Holden Gurner ends up being the starter next year, I do not think the starter is on this current roster right now playing in this Birmingham Bowl. I don't think it's it. And then the offensive line, there's no telling who's coming back. There's no telling who's going pro. All of them could come back if they wanted to. Of course, we know Broderius Ham is on his way out onto the NFL. But Nick Brahms could come back. You've got Keandre Jones coming back at right guard. I would imagine Brandon Council is done. Austin Troxell could come back, but the vibe that I get from talking to some people is that he may not be coming back. You talk about four of the five starters on the offensive line could be gone. This offense could look vastly different across the board aside from the skill positions at running back and wide receiver, which even wide receiver could look drastically different because who do you find in the transfer portal? I think you need a number one guy, a stud. Demetrius Robertson did not turn into that this year for Auburn. Kobe Hudson did. But is Kobe Hudson truly a number one in the SEC and many different teams in the league? Probably not. He's a good receiver, and I think he can finish like that before his time is over at Auburn. But I think Auburn needs another one, another one to compliment him that can be a go-to guy for you, that can make plays for you in games like this. You need a quarterback that can deliver the clutch, fro- the clutch throws in games like this. As Auburn is about to lose 17-13 to to Houston and the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, Houston was able to pick up the first downs needed And all they have to do is snap it one more time to run out the clock. And they do just that. Houston just won the Birmingham Bowl 17-13 over Auburn as they give Dana Holgerson the Gatorade bath. And Houston will finish their year at 12-2. Auburn will finish with a losing season at 6-7. Of course, you can applaud the effort today. You can applaud many good things that Auburn did today in the Birmingham Bowl. But you can also look at several things that this, Auburn, that this Auburn program needs moving forward going into next season if they're going to do better than what they did this year. If not, avoid doing worse. They're going to need a new quarterback. They're going to need several offensive linemen in the transfer portal. They're going to need a standout wide receiver. And on defense, I think they've done just enough through the portal already and through recruiting this year, especially with the JUCO additions that they brought in to add some difference makers on defense. But I do still think you've got to figure out a way to replace a key linebacker, a first-round cornerback, because Roger McCreary is going to be in the first round, if not the early second round, but I still feel confident with him being in the first round. You've got to replace some really good players on defense. There's a lot to do for Auburn in the offseason, and we'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of this break. What is on Auburn's to-do list during the offseason as Auburn just lost the Birmingham Bowl 17-13 to to Houston. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay 
on the line. More of the show when we come back. Thirty minutes through the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Auburn falls in the ticket smarter Birmingham Bowl to twentieth ranked Houston, seventeen to thirteen. Auburn has a losing season, goes six and seven. Houston, twelve and two, finished to the year for Dana Holgerson's bunch, and you got to give a lot of credit to Holgerson. Although it wasn't a pretty game for either of these teams, you got to talk about the effort for these two squads and the fact that Holgerson has taken Houston from where it was when he first got there to now a 12-win season, beating an SEC team, and then Auburn, of course, it did not end the way that you wanted it to. Five straight losses for Brian Harson's bunch after getting out to a 6-2 and two start, and the first losing season for Auburn since 2012. Brian Harson stretching back to uh, Pat Dye is the first coach to take over and do worse than his predecessors last season. So a difficulty and a difficult season for Auburn, and a difficult end to the year for the Tigers as they drop to a losing record now at 6-7 and seven on the year. Some takeaways from the ball game today. Of course, Auburn without a handful of key players. Bo Nix, of course, obviously announced his decision to transfer. Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean out at linebacker. Roger McCreary out at cornerback. And then also throughout the ball game, Smoke Monday and Jalen Simpson were both ejected for targeting penalties. Nick Brahms and Broderius Ham were out on the offensive line for Auburn today, all of those due to either injuries, opt-outs, transfers, whatever it may be. That was the crew of Auburn players that were out. Despite that fact, though, Auburn today played with a high level of energy and answered the question of whether or not they wanted to be there. They fell behind 10-0. to They could have got ran over at that point. And what did they do? They fought back, went with 10 unanswered, held a lead throughout majority of the second half, 13-10, to until Houston had the game-deciding touchdown to take the lead 17-13 to over the Tigers, which ended up being the deciding touchdown pass thrown by Clayton Toon to win the ball game. And that's what we talked about yesterday. We said, and this was the title of yesterday's podcast, go and find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Yesterday's podcast title was Quarterback Play Will Be the Deciding Factor in the Birmingham Bowl. And this is not a knock on T.J. Finley. This is just me talking about what we saw in the game today. Clayton Toon's final stat line, 26 for 40 for 283 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. T.J. Finley went 19 for 37 for 227 yards and a touchdown. And although no key mistake was made by T.J. Finley in this game, and there were a couple of key mistakes made by the Houston passing game, only one of those interceptions credited to Clayton Toon, Another interception to a, on a trick play. A, a different player was throwing the football. Houston had two interceptions today. Auburn played a clean game. Zero turnovers. You talk about the penalty total for the Tigers. Auburn had three penalties for 35 yards. Houston had six for 34. Overall, it was a pretty clean game played by Auburn today. They played with a high level of energy. But the reality is, when you break down the quarterback play for these two teams, Clayton Toon made the deciding pass and made the deciding throws that were the difference. Was Clayton Toon great today? No. He was not his normal, prolific passing self that he was throughout the year. He played a lot like he did when he played against Cincinnati, when he played against Texas Tech, when he played against the better teams on his schedule. So sure, you could say this was about what you could have expected to get out of Toon, but that was still, at the end of the day, better than what Auburn got out of T.J. Finley when you look at the two final stat lines when you watch the game. 
One quarterback threw one more touchdown than the other. That was the difference. That was the game-winning score. And you break down T.J. Finley's play today, it was T.J. Finley who made some big throws. He had a great touchdown pass to Kobe Hudson. He had some big plays in the passing game. And before that final drive, even had more yards per attempt than Clayton Toon throughout the majority of this ballgame. But there was also a lot of inconsistency in throwing the football. A lot of the easy throws to open receivers made difficult by T.J. Finley. And you just need those plays to go. Auburn didn't have a short passing game today, which is befuddling. I was expecting Auburn to have the short passing game, but not the deep passing game. And granted, T.J. Finley still overthrew several open receivers on deep balls down the field, but he also still, for the amount of times that Auburn took shots in this game, he did connect on a couple. There just wasn't a whole lot of consistency out of the pocket for Auburn today. And that brings up the question, and we were talking about this in our previous segment, what is on Auburn's to-do list in the offseason? What does Auburn need moving forward? What can Auburn do to improve next season or possibly avoid doing worse? Because they need a lot. And I do think a lot of it starts at the quarterback position. You also need help at the offensive line. Those are the two primary areas that I think you can point to for this Auburn football team that if you want to do better in 2022, you need an improved quarterback position. Whether or not that's on the roster right now or not, that's a different question. Whether it's TJ Finley or Holden Gurner or Demetrius Davis or a transfer quarterback, the reality is you need better play out of the quarterback position. Likewise, and this is very much so connected, you need better offensive line play to help out your quarterback because TJ Finley was not kept clean today. That Houston defensive line is good, and they are good at getting after the quarterback. And granted, I think this Auburn offensive line that was playing shorthanded, that was missing two offensive linemen, I think they played fairly well. But once again, still not completely kept clean, and that is not the standard that you want the offensive line at Auburn University to be playing at. You got to protect the quarterback a whole lot more than Auburn did today, especially when they lack the mobility that TJ Finley does. Pocket mobility is just not there for TJ Finley. That's not a knock. That's just watching the game when he's forced to have to maneuver around the pocket to step up and make a throw or step to his right to avoid pass rush, to be able to just move around the things that you can see the best quarterbacks in college football do to be able to extend a play for an extra half second to be able to get that throw off and make it a clean throw downfield, that's just not there. And Even on check down plays, it's not there. And that really hurt Auburn from a consistency standpoint in passing the football today. And Houston got that out of Clayton Toon. Just a little bit more. Not by an incredible amount. Not by a gorge. There was not a gorge separating Clayton Toon and TJ Finley today. It was four points different. It was one touchdown difference. T.J. Finley almost outplayed Clayton Toon today until that final drive for Houston. And then when Auburn got one more shot at it, they couldn't pick up a first down. Once again, it's not a knock. It's the reality. Auburn needs better quarterback play. They need help for the quarterback position. I don't disagree with anybody who wants to point that out. They need help. They need better wide receivers. Go and find that in the transfer portal. You need better offensive linemen. Go and find that in the transfer portal. Heck, you got to find it with high school seniors as well right now because you only have one in this year's class, and that's the first tackle that you've signed in four years. So it is desperate times for Auburn with talent acquisition this offseason. That is at the top of the to-do list. They did a great job 
on the recruiting trail to come from outside the top 40 and come in like an asteroid inside the top 15. They did a great job to salvage this year's class and make something good out of it. But it's not done yet. And it's going to have to include some transfers for next year. Auburn's problems right now are not on defense. And granted, they are losing a few guys on the defensive side of the football that made them able to hang with teams like Alabama and Houston at the end of the year. You're losing Roger McCreary. You're losing Jacoby McClain. And granted, they played it today's game without those two guys, and they still hold Houston to 13 points. And you bring back some really good players. You hope to bring back Colby Wooden. I would expect that you would. You hope to bring back Derek Hall. It's another guy that I would, I would, once again, right now, I would lean towards he's coming back, but I would hope that they're able to hold on and bring it back. You've added in two guys, one guy through the transfer portal, and Jason Jones, that I think is going to be a contributor. He's from Oregon. And then you also bring in the number one Juco player in the country, and Jeffrey Inbob, the defensive line. On top of that, you've got two of the top players at their positions out of Juco and the defensive backfield coming in and Keontae Scott and Marquise Gilbert. So you're able to replace some of the pieces you're losing. Smoke Monday's gone. Roger McCurry's gone to the defensive backfield. I'm not saying that those guys will be as good as those two players, but you at least have some depth at those positions in the defensive backfield with the recruits that you brought in this year through this recruiting class and then also the ones that you've recruited in the past. Auburn's recruited defensive back very well and they developed the position very well. So I think Auburn's going to be just fine at the third level. Linebacker, Owen Papo is going to be coming back, I would imagine, you would hope. He's going to be able to help hold down that position. you got to find another one alongside of him. And Auburn's recruited that position very well. Look at Wesley Steiner. Desmond Tisdall's gotten some good snaps. Auburn's got some good guys there. You also bring in Robert Woodyard this year in the 2022 class. And Alabama flip. If he was good enough to play at Alabama, let me tell you, he's great enough to play at Auburn. So there's going to be some depth at that position next year as well. And you've added some potential wreckers and difference makers on the defensive line. So I think the defense, that is not the problem this offseason. What you've got to adjust and tinker with this offseason, you've got to figure out the offense. The coordinator position with the hire of Austin Davis, they did not bring him in. A guy with only two years of coaching experience as a quarterback's coach in the NFL under Pete Carroll, who, let me tell you, has a heavy hand and everything going on in the Seattle Seahawks organization from a scheme perspective. You did not bring Austin Davis in to magically fix this offense. You brought Austin Davis in to help you develop your quarterback position and to be someone that is moldable, he's raw, doesn't have a whole lot of experience, to bring his specific NFL experience to help the quarterback position out and to be moldable for this coaching staff and Brian Hartson to help make this offense be what his vision is for it but the reality is Auburn does not have the players right now on this roster in my mind to achieve that they got to go and get out in the transfer portal and get a quarterback a wide receiver and a couple of offensive linemen that's what it's down to right now for Auburn they got to get some new players it's a personnel issue for Auburn at this point it's a talent acquisition question for Auburn at this point and you've got eight months to do it so let's head out on the recruiting trail and let's see what you can go and get that's the difference in today's game quarterback play Clayton Toon going for 283 and two touchdowns TJ Finley going for 227 and one touchdown Tate Bigsby had a nice day 16 carries for 96 yards on the ground I really liked what he did as a receiver for Auburn as well go figure Auburn's running back 
leads Auburn in receptions and yards with five catches for 68 yards, 13.6 yards per reception. Auburn had six different guys catch passes for 227 yards, total of 11.9 yards per reception and one touchdown. That touchdown went to Kobe Hudson, who had four catches for 57 yards and a nice catch in the back of the end zone. And then John Samuel Shanker was effective in the short to intermediate game with five catches for 54 yards. Outside of that, Javarius Johnson just had one catch for 20 yards. Demetrius Robinson was two for 15, and Shedrick Jackson was two for 13. You had three guys garner the bulk of the receptions, and everybody else was pretty much missing in action. The passing game today was held together with duct tape, and it was almost enough. It was. But Auburn was just not consistent enough in any aspect of their play today to be able to get the win. They just weren't. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to have Lance Dahl with us, joining us via the phone lines. We've still got a good hour and 15 minutes left in the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Auburn falls in the Birmingham Bowl, their first losing season since 2012. Tigers drop to 6-7. and seven. Houston beats Auburn 17-13. to 13. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Back on On the Line, wrapping up hour number one on the Tuesday edition of the show. No Gardner with you here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Ticket smarter, Birmingham Bowl just came to a close. Houston defeats the Auburn Tigers 17-13. And Lance Dahl up in Birmingham today for the bowl game. Lance joining us via the phone lines. How you doing today, my man? Well, Noah, I'm a little disappointed right now, but you know what? I feel like the Tigers fought hard, and, you know, they weren't able to come away with a win. But overall, I think I'm doing all right. The fact that I was even able to come up here to witness it was kind of fun. You talk about the effort for Auburn, and they fought hard. I think that's clear to see that Auburn answered the question that they wanted to be there today. Absolutely, yeah, and I certainly think you saw that on the defensive end. I mean, look, you you saw all these different players out for Auburn. Uh, at multiple uh, positions, right, at linebacker in the secondary, and Auburn was able to kind of fight through it for the majority of that game. With that being said, along the way, Auburn also lost Smoke Monday and Jalen Simpson, both the targeting penalties in that game. And I think, you know, obviously things didn't necessarily go Auburn's way uh, on that front with the targeting calls, but it is what it is, and Auburn was still able to uh, to fight and hold their own uh, up until the very end where, you know, Auburn, I just didn't feel like had the personnel to execute uh, in that matchup, especially late, uh, as uh, players essentially felt like they were dropping like flies uh, at some times. But, you know, overall, I think the defensive effort that Auburn gave was absolutely fantastic. And then I think you look on the offensive side of the ball, look, Tank Bigsby, I mean, didn't crack 100 rushing yards, but looked like he was playing his heart out as well. Obviously, it was a concern among Auburn fans about whether or not he would stay with the program. And it was really awesome to see him play well despite not getting what I believe he only finished with 16 carries, didn't get a ton of touches uh, with Brian Harson trying to keep some balance within the offense. But, yeah, absolutely. I think Auburn uh, played uh, with intensity, and I think they played hard. And just uh, in, in crucial moments down the stretch, they weren't able to execute. You know, and despite the 16 carries, and I know you know this, but despite the 16 carries, still 21 touches for Tank Bixby because of the five receptions for 68 yards. I don't know if you've seen the box score he led Auburn with receptions and receiving yards, which isn't great for the receiving core, but for Tank Bigsby, it's clear that today he was the focus of the Auburn offense. Absolutely, and you know, whenever you have guys like Bo Nick out, whenever you have offensive linemen out, you aren't necessarily able to pass protect for an extremely long time, but you've got to be able to find different outlets for your offense to maybe create some yardage, and I think certainly 
Uh, Tank Bigsby was the focal point of that for Auburn today. We saw late in the first half the swing pass that he caught. I believe it went for 50 yards of his 68 receiving yards that he had on the day. Uh, so, yeah, Auburn tried to make him a focal point, trying to give him touches, like you mentioned there, 21 total uh, for Tank Bigsby. And, you know, honestly, whenever, whenever you have such a dynamic playmaker like Tank Bigsby going up a team like Houston, it was an interesting clash, right, because that was a topic of conversation about how Auburn would handle this Houston rush defense, how they would handle the front seven. And honestly, with a backup offensive line, or at least pieces of a backup offensive line, I think Auburn and Tank Bigsby did the best that they could. If you were writing a story about this game, what is it? What's the difference here? I think that, like I said earlier, I think that something I would say right off the bat is Auburn just simply did not have the personnel to execute. I think if you have your starters in that game, I think if you have everybody at every single position fully healthy, I think you do see potentially Bonex complete one of those touchdowns that T.J. Finley missed late in that game, right? Either to Malcolm Johnson Jr. or to Devaris Dawson. I think you see Bonex complete one of those passes. I think you see the offensive line block well in certain parts. I think you see in crucial situations, whenever Auburn needs to check the ball down and maybe pick up some yardage or get a first down, I think you see Bo Nix understand what kind of touch he has to put on the ball in order to actually get it to the receiver. There were times today where T.J. Finley just was not able to deliver accuracy-wise, and I think you know part of that is dealing with a backup offensive line, right? Part of that is dealing with a new center. But overall, I think Auburn just did not have the personnel today to execute the plays that they wanted to. And look, Brian Harson obviously calling this game for Auburn. I think overall, honestly, I don't think he did a terrible job. I actually kind of like some of the things that I saw. Just again, Auburn wasn't able to complete passes and make plays when it most, ma- most, uh, most mattered. I like a lot of what I saw from a play-calling standpoint, especially in the passing game. And some people may look at the pass-run split and say, well, Auburn threw the ball 37 times, but they also ran the ball 29 times. I don't think it was skewed so much in the passing game, and I've said this time and time again, this is a pass-first offense. It is going to pass to set up the run. It's the reality of it. That's what it's going to be for Auburn moving forward. And so that brings up quarterback play. And you and I show yesterday it's titled quarterback play will be the deciding factor in the Birmingham Bowl. Today, at, when you look at the stat line, one quarterback had two touchdowns, one quarterback had one, and that was the difference. Exactly, and that's something that I was thinking about this entire time watching the game. Is that exactly what we talked about yesterday is, one of these quarterbacks in this game is going to be able to make the throws. He's going to be able to go out there and execute whenever the pressure is put on him. And we were both sitting there thinking, we don't know if it's necessarily going to be T.J. Finley because he has not played that way. At least he hasn't up until this point in the season. And honestly, I don't think we've seen enough of T.J. Finley to completely discard him and write him off. I think there's still opportunity to potentially work with him. But today, he was not making those plays. And you know, Clayton Toon throwing those two interceptions, one of them was his fault. One of them was a deflection on that throwback, uh, or excuse me, Clayton Toon only threw one interception, and then the other was that throwback to him uh, that got deflected. But, you know, honestly, him uh, being able to evade pressure and complete throws downfield time and time and time again, it felt like early on in the first half, I believe Joko Willis and then Romelo Height at different points had uh, Clayton Toon dead to right. And he was just simply able to get out of it. And he was able to keep his composure and able to make plays downfield. I don't think that this is a fantastic comparison. Noah, you being a Cleveland Browns fan may not sit down, but it kind of reminded me of some of the stuff that Baker Mayfield did in college whenever the rush got to him. At least that's what it looked like to me. I think Clayton Toon played very well today. 
Yeah, Baker Mayfield, not the most mobile quarterback in the world from a scrambling standpoint, but definitely able to evade, dodge. He had great pocket awareness. Clayton Toon showed that today, whereas T.J. Finley, when the pocket collapses, there's no getting away. And so that was a major issue for Auburn today. Last question to you. we got about a minute left, so I have to make it quick. Story of the season for Auburn. Ooh, I think, honestly, and this is something that we've talked about uh, a little bit off air, Noah, and I think we've touched on it a little bit on air, is that I think Auburn played hard this year. I really think they did. But Auburn didn't really catch a lot of breaks this year. Whenever you go back and you break down each and every single game, and I think you could just continue to ask yourself the question of what if. What if this happened at Penn State? What if this happened against Georgia? What if this happened against Alabama, having a 10-point lead late in that game? There were just so many different opportunities for Auburn that were squandered uh, by not, not being able to execute. And so I think if this coaching staff is going to get those things under control, I mean, they've got another offseason to work with these kids, but I think what if is one of the questions that I would be asking after this season. Lance, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, man. Safe drive. Thank you, Noah. Really appreciate it. That was Lance Dahl. He'll be back with us on the show tomorrow. He made the trip up to Birmingham today for the Birmingham Bowl. Auburn losing to Houston 17-13 to in the Birmingham Bowl. That's the difference, quarterback play. And I think you talk about the story of this season, quarterback play. Offensive line play, offense, period. That's it. That's it for hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with hour number two coming up. Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner here with you for the Tuesday edition of the show. Just wrapped up a phone call with Lance Daw, who is up for us in Birmingham today. I'm holding down the fort today on the show, and we're going to start off hour number two speaking with Lee Scott, boys basketball head coach William Johnson, as promised, spoke yesterday with Auburn High School boys basketball assistant Coach Scott Bagwell with us yesterday. Today, we've got Lee Scott Boys basketball head coach William Johnson with us. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you all for having me. You guys are competing in the Border Wars tournament over these next two days. Today started it off with a victory over Grace Christian. Boys won 69-36. to What did you see out of your team's performance today? Uh, great pace. We played with a tremendous pace today. A um, lot of energy for an early start. Um, you know, we got up and down the court. Uh, the team we played was not near as deep as us, which played into our benefit. Um, you know, we got up and down, got a lot of a lot of people work, and, and were able to score the basketball a little bit. Coach, up to this point in the year, only a handful of losses for your team is now 
we head to the new year. You just have one more game in calendar year 2021, and then January with eight games to round out the regular season, and six of those are area matchups, two of those just outside the area. Take me through where your team's at at this point compared to where you want them to be at by the end of the year. Um, we're improving each day. You know, I told our guys this morning, I told them last night at practice, and you know, we, we, we played a very tough schedule um, throughout December. We played a lot of games. I know at one point we had nine games with nine practices as a team. Um, you know, it, we're, we're kind of jam-packed, but we're starting to play well and shoot the ball well, which is something that, I, you know, I'm, I've been looking forward to. Um, to get ready for area play, you know, our, we, we don't we try to play just about everybody we can play. Um, you know, we, we try to play teams that are better than us um, to get better. And um, I think we've done that. Um, our area is, is really tough. You know, all the teams in our area have winning records and, and are, are, are playing good basketball. And so um, our area is going to be a grind um, coming up here in January. Lee Scott Boys basketball head coach William Johnson joining us for a few minutes here at the start of hour number two on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Coach, you've seen some guys step up for you off your bench in recent weeks. And that was an area that you were looking to that you needed to get better in order to score more points. Who are some of those guys that have been playing well off the bench for you, and how have they started playing better? You know, um, you know, Walker Fisher has been playing really good off our bench. Um, you know, Hayden Harper, who who's an eighth grader, has come on and really played some backup point guard for us and done a phenomenal job. Um, Fisher Wright's done a great job. Taylor Caleb Dover um, is a singer that comes off our bench done a really good job um and these guys are playing really good minutes for us right now and you know they're taking care of the basketball they're attacking they're making shots and most importantly they're guarding and um as long as you can guard you can play and um they're doing a fantastic job of of, of keeping things going you know we're pressing um we're getting up and down the court so we need to be able to play a lot of these guys and those guys will be able to do a really good job for us and they've done that of course over the last five or six games this team has been able to hit that 60 point mark whereas for the first seven eight nine games of the year y'all were having a really hard time scoring more than 60 points what's changed for the offense over the last five games or so um i think we've had some practice some time to practice uh, you know our guys played on a friday night and, and football and a lot you know over half our team plays football and on tuesday we were playing basketball they want we played tuesday thursday then following monday tuesday and then the fight it was just you know, really nine games and nine in nine practices uh, as a team. And so, you know, I kept telling our guys to keep working. We started shooting a lot of balls in practice, um, you know, kind of once we got our foundation stuff in and, and our continuity offensively. Um, and we just started picking up our pace. We're getting more possessions um, each game because of our pace. Um, our field goal percentage is going up because we're getting better shots. Um, so, you know, it's all kind of works hand in hand. And we're knocking down some threes, which is what we weren't doing. I think we were in a pretty rough stretch to start the year from three-point line. And, you know, now we're we're knocking down wide-open threes and um, at a lot higher clip than we were earlier, which always helps um, get things going. Coach, a rich basketball history for the program and all of AISA. And you look around and you've played some of the best teams already in the entire in, in the entire classification with schools like Pike, Macon East, but then you've also got on the other side of New Year's. You got teams like Glenwood coming up. My question to you is, where did this where does this team stand right now amongst the contenders in AISA? <laughs> well, I mean, 
I like our I like our team. I love our chances to against anybody. Um, you know, I think Pike Liplarch is probably the best team in our association right now. I think everybody would probably agree with that. Um, but we're getting better each day, and um, you know, I think we're right there in the mix. And I, I don't, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to have a say in, in all this thing. And when it's all said and done, at least I hope we are. Um, and if our guys just continue to get better and better, like we've done, um, you know, I, I like where we'll be sitting in February. I really do. Um, you know, our guys are coming to work each day and we practice as hard as any team I've, I've, I've coached. It feels like, I mean, we get after each other in practice and it's, it's a constant competition, um, in everything we do. And so I think, you know, that's making us better each day, especially defensively. Um, you know, we've been really able to, to be pretty good defensive with our numbers. Even when we lose games, we're holding teams well below our, their average defense, you know, scoring wise. We're just, you know, we've lost three games by three or less points. So it, it's, In the couple years I've been covering the team, a characteristic of your squad has been a dominant post player. And Joseph Horn has been at the top of the stat sheet pretty much every single game for your squad. And you've gotten to see him grow over the years. How has he grown? And, you know, how does that make you feel to be able to develop a player like that into what he's becoming in his junior season? Joseph Horn is is, is special. We were playing today and I heard somebody on our bench go, Golly, he's so good. He's good. He's crafty. Um, he doesn't foul defensively. He got his fifth foul of the entire year today. I mean, the entire year. Um, he, 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 he's on the ball in the press, so he's constantly up and down the floor. Um, he can shoot the three. He can back you down. He can post. Um, you know, I started coaching Joseph in the seventh grade, and he had played guard and, and, and when he was younger in Pee Wee, and he came to us, and he'd grown a lot. And I said, you're going to have to learn how to play the post. And I said, you know, when you get to – high school you'll be able to shoot the three and go inside out and do a lot of things i said but i need you to learn he did and man he is he has turned into a tremendous basketball player um very good and a, a great person great leader never complains um and just you know plays as hard as he can play no matter if he's in shooting drills or if he's defending on the ball or if he's, he's running an offense i mean he does a phenomenal job for us i mean he let us in scoring again today give us a brief preview of who you guys are playing tomorrow in the border wars tournament we got Terrell Academy out of Dawson, Georgia. Um, probably the best team at Border Wars. Um, so we'll draw them tomorrow. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the challenge. This will be one of the better teams we play all year. Um, they're loaded with athletes. Uh, they look the part. And they're going to get after you, and, and we're going to get after them and see what happens. We're excited about it. Coach, before I let you get out of here, I want to ask you about some college basketball. You and I have had some fun conversations talking about the college hardwood, and I know you're a big Alabama guy, so – Take me through what you're seeing with the Crimson Tide right now from a coach's perspective. You know, I, I think, you know, they shoot a lot of threes. They get up and down the court, and I think teams are, you know, really guarding three-point line on them right now. Um, gone through a little tough stretch. I think it was tough to prepare for Davidson. I know it was a tough loss, but that was about a 24-hour prep, and Davidson's really tough to prepare for in 24 hours, I would think, after the COVID cancellation of Colorado State. Um you know, I still think the two best basketball teams in the SEC right now are in the state of Alabama and Auburn and, and, and Alabama. Um, I think those programs are loaded with talent and, and have a really high ceiling. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, both those programs get pretty good teams in their first SEC opener. So we're actually going to Tuscaloosa tomorrow to watch Alabama Tennessee. We're going to leave Border Wars and go. So, um, you know, I like – I love the style for both teams. I love Alabama. Um, so I think, you know, they'll be there in the end. It's a little tough patch right now, but they'll be there in the end. 
Coach, we appreciate the time that you took today to speak with us. Uh, good luck tomorrow, and then I uh, hope you have a happy new year. Same to y'all. Thank y'all for having me. That was Lee Scott Boys Basketball Head Coach William Johnson joining us on the show today. Always love to talk to the local coaches in the area, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, local media personalities covering preps, because that's the heart of the game, man. That is where the, that is where you know 99% of athletes reside is in preps, and it, it is such a wonderful and beautiful game to see uh, young people go out there, play, have a great time, doing it for, for good reasons. It's not tainted by by money as you can see at some of the you know collegiate and professional levels it's just such a wonderful game uh, to see guys going out there and playing for for the love of it and so it's always good to talk to the local coaches that are helping groom and craft those young men into uh good young adults and I always love speaking to the coaches in the area so thank you there to William Johnson of Lee Scott Boys Basketball coming and speaking with us here on the Tuesday edition of the show so far today we have done a lot to wrap up the Birmingham Bowl that was the entire first hour of the show today spoke with Lance Dahl he's up in Birmingham for us and so I'm holding down the fort today if you've got any calls for us please be sure to bring those during the break that helps me out the phone lines will be open once again starting this break so if you're wanting to call in call in during a break that helps me out because I'm the only one in the house today running the board a lot of folks out for the holiday season and so if you've got any calls we welcome those calls please bring them during a break 334-321-1390 if you've got some thoughts on today's Birmingham Bowl Auburn falls to Houston 17-13 to they drop to 6-7 and on the year Houston advances to 12-2 and which has just been an absolute phenomenal year for Houston able to get a win over a power five team at the end of the year when they started the season with a blowout loss to Texas Texas Tech so you can see how Houston has gone from game one to game 14 for them and you can also see how Auburn has gone from game one to game 13 for them and it's easy to see as we spoke with Lance Daw about it and as I've talked about throughout today's show there is a long list of things to do on the offensive side of football for Auburn during the offseason but in talking about today's game although Auburn wasn't there from a personnel standpoint although Auburn wasn't there from a from an ability standpoint today to get the win you can't question the heart and the want to and the fact that Auburn went out there and played a pretty good football game looking at what they had on the roster and who they were having to play and who they were having to insert at certain positions because guys were out I mean pretty much all the key leaders were gone with the exception of Tank Bigsby and Auburn was still almost able to be the top 20 football team today and you can say the same thing about the Iron Bowl, though Auburn was healthy for the most part in that game, aside for their starting quarterback and their starting kicker. Those obviously made a big made a big difference in that game in the Iron Bowl, but you could still say the same thing about the Iron Bowl, that despite being shorthanded, Auburn almost beat the number one team in the country, and the Alabama Crimson Tide are the current number one team in the country, that is. So question of want to or hard for this team, and whether or not they're playing for their head coach, and whether or not Brian Hartson has the full attention of this locker room, that needs to be thrown out entirely if folks have had that question about this team. These guys want to. They're playing hard for their head coach, and I think this head coach is locked in too. So I like where Auburn's at right now, but with that being said, it's also fair to criticize and say, well, hey, there's the job is not done and the job is certainly not complete. Auburn's about 50% of the way there on what they need to look like for next season. And I even still think there are some transfers that they should go out and get if they can on the defensive side of the football. Take as many as you want, take as many as you can to help you wherever you can, right? But it's clear that at least 50% of this football team 
needs to be revamped. You need a new quarterback or you need better quarterback play. I don't want to necessarily say that you need a new quarterback. I don't want to write off TJ Finley or somebody on this roster right now, but the reality is you need those guys that are either currently on your roster or are coming to your roster to play better than what you got this year at quarterback. You need a standout wide receiver. You need a go-to guy. Kobe Hudson's going to be even better next year, I think. You see the biggest jump in a player's development from their first full year playing to their second full year playing. This was Kobe Hudson's first full year playing. He got limited action in 2020. This was his first full year. This was like a freshman year for him. And you saw how quickly he developed across the year. I think he's going to even be even better next year. But the thing is, you're losing Shadra Jackson. You're losing Demetrius Robertson. You've got guys like Tavares Dawson and Javarius Johnson, Malcolm Johnson Jr. You've got guys like that coming back. And those guys will improve, but you still need a standout number one. And if Kobe Hudson evolves into that standout number one, you need a compliment for him. Regardless, Auburn's one receiver away. I think they need another guy. You got a lot of recruits coming out of the receiver position. You got three players that I think will end up being good receivers. But once again, I still think you're lacking the stud at wide receiver in this year's recruiting class. And then, of course, the biggest need for Auburn, unless you want to call the quarterback position the biggest need, because I think it's, it's up there. It rivals offensive line at this point. I really do, and I'm going to be critical of the, of the quarterback position because it's the most important position on the field. But also really important is the offensive line, and you may have to re- replace four guys on the offensive line. Keandre Jones will be coming back, of course, you'd expect. And then you got four guys that are probably gone. You're going to have to find it in the transfer portal, and hopefully the development that you have done, the, the job that you have done developing the players behind the current four offensive linemen they're about to leave, you hope that you've done a good enough job that when they step in next year, they will at least be marginally better than this offensive line was today at the start of next season. And then hopefully it continues to improve as the year goes along. But you need to go and get some transfers to help revamp that offensive line. You need transfers to help revamp the entire offense. And so a question that has been asked to us several times throughout bowl preparation as we've gone into the light version of the offseason, if you will, now we're into the full offseason. The question that's been asked to me is, do I think the current the, – do, do I think the Auburn quarterback that will start in 2022, day one, do I think that quarterback is on the roster right now? Part of me wants to believe that it is not. That the current that the, the starting quarterback for the 2022 season is not currently on the roster because I have not been overly pleased with what I've seen from the quarterback position beyond Bo Nix. Even with Bo Nix, I don't think I, I think there were times where you could say we weren't overly pleased, but Bo was definitely the best option for this team moving forward, and now he's not here anymore. TJ Finley's got some skills, and I think he's a good backup quarterback. He's honestly he may very well be the best backup quarterback in the SEC beyond whoever Alabama's got coming in as a five-star next year and then Georgia with JT Daniels in terms of arm talent and whatnot. But TJ Finley, in terms of being able to keep the offense together and give you a shot to win a football game, he almost won the Iron Bowl and he almost beat a top-20 team in Houston today. But the reality is he's 0-3 as a starter. He didn't win a game and he didn't make the key throws in any of those games, South Carolina, Alabama, or Houston, to win Auburn those ball games. He made about half of the key throws he needed to make. And so at this point, after three games of TJ Finley, I feel good enough about saying, well, Auburn might need to look in a different direction at the quarterback position. And that's a hard thing to say because I have respect for every single one of those guys playing football out there. 
and I respect their work ethic, and I respect how hard they're playing, I respect the fact that they care about the name on the jersey, that they wear the colors proud, I respect that. But likewise, I think Auburn, if they want to improve, they need better quarterback play, and I'm not sure if they're going to get it with the guys on the roster right now. And then Demetrius Davis, why didn't he play today? There were moments where it looked like "Mm, maybe now's the time to at least give the guy a shot if you feel confident in what you've done with him in bowl preparation. But from what it sounds like, he got a lot of scout team reps, which isn't running this offense. It's not running the offense that Auburn runs. It's running the offense that the other team runs. So was he even ready to play in this game? Did he have the full preparation needed? And that may have played a factor in why he didn't play today. But just as those moments rose in this game where T.J. Finley looked like, eh, maybe it's time to go and give somebody else a shot, T.J. Finley came up with a big play. It was the inconsistency that killed Auburn at quarterback today. And sure, I would have loved to have seen Demetrius Davis play just to see what he's got. But something's holding this coaching staff back from putting Demetrius Davis into a football game. And we're also talking, ladies and gentlemen, about the third-string quarterback. And I'll tell you, most teams, aside from the year that A&M just stumbled upon Johnny Manziel, who, by the way, was a third-string quarterback, most teams just don't find that it guy at the third-string level of their quarterback depth chart. They just don't. That's just the reality of it. you got to trust the coaches enough that they didn't mess up that bad that the third-string quarterback is this it-factor guy, and they had him buried at third-string because they were making that colossal of a mistake. I could understand if you had a tight battle between one and two, but one and three, you just typically don't have three dudes at quarterback. You just don't. And so I think that might be part of the reason why Demetrius Davis isn't playing yet. This coaching staff may just not have the confidence that they need to be able to play him. And so the question is, is the... Starting quarterback for the 2022 Auburn Tigers currently on this roster. I hope they're able to find someone in the transfer portal because right now I'm not sure if any of these guys can get it done to give you a better season than this year, if not avoid potentially worse. That's just that's just, that's just the nature of the game. We're going to head to the phone lines on the other side of this break. Stay put there. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. But do it during a break. I'm alone today holding down the fort, so I'll take your calls during the breaks. That's the number to call, though, 334-321-1390. And Ed is with me now live on the show. Ed, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Well, I could be doing a lot better, but um, I'm doing okay. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, no, I'm not doing okay. I choked on that statement. <laughs> Ed, what's on your I, mind? Well, uh, Auburn's quarterback situation, and and guess uh, Let's just be real honest. There's none of us that think. I I hope there's none of us that think that T.J. Finley is going to, you know. Uh, make some kind of turnaround next year. Uh, he, he may start a few games the first of the season, but I cannot for any way in my mind, unless unless there is something 
bad, bad wrong with Demetrius. And I'm going to tell you, if Demetrius Davis, there's nothing bad wrong with him. He's about to transfer, and we'll have one less quarterback with. I, I, there is no excuse in him not playing the second half. And y'all can make it up all day long, but there is no excuse in it. Okay, War Eagle guys. Appreciate it, Ed. That was Ed on the line with us here on the Tuesday edition of the show. I don't disagree with him too much there. I think Demetrius Davis should have played in this game at some point. It's worth a try. I wonder if he was prepared for the game, but that's the coaching staff's fault, not Demetrius Davis's fault by any means. So I'm not quite sure why he didn't play in this game today. We're going to go back to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390, and Terry's online with us. Terry, how's it going? Great, Noah. How about you? I'm doing real well. What's on your mind? Hold down the floor. Um, no, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I've turned 55 earlier this month, and I know I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And I think it's time for some of the powers that be at Auburn to look in the mirror and say, we made a mistake by hiring Alan Green, who made a mistake by hiring Brian Horse. It's that simple. Uh, the, 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 I don't, I don't, that's the difference between you and I and me and a lot of other Auburn fans. Almost is not good enough for me. It may be good enough for others, but it's not good enough for me. I don't, I don't, take, I don't take credit. I don't like moral victories. Uh, the fact that we played the number one team in the country, you know what? You still lost. Yeah. What is number two? It just means you're the first one to lose, doesn't it? It does. I, I don't understand the, the mindset there. And until we get rid of that mindset and, 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 and adopt a winning mindset, it's not going to matter. And, and, and I, just don't, I just don't know, Brian Harson. I just don't think he's happy at Auburn. I don't. Now, I know that some people disagree with me on that. That's fine. That's your right. But there's just too many things out there that are being said, that he is to, wants to go back to the West Coast, that it was a bad situation. He jumped the gun. I don't think Brian Harson or Alan Green either one wants to be at Auburn, and, and therefore they wouldn't be looking elsewhere, and they are privately looking, trust me. Um, as far as Demetrius Davis, because I can't figure that one out. Uh, and I know people like to say, well, let's put it in the coaches. The coaches see these guys in practice every day. Okay, well, then why did Gus Malzahn have a, a Joy Gatewood, Bo Nix battle, and Malik Willis is going to be a top-ten draft pick next year? Yeah, I, I get that argument, but I still don't think – and we've seen Malik Willis play this year against some Power 5 opponents. Malik Willis wasn't very good against Power 5 opponents. So despite the yeah, well, fact that he tore it up Willis at Liberty, I don't think that he's that good. Yeah, well, he'll, he'll – He'll do fine if some NFL team will get some good coaching. That's the thing. He went to Liberty and got under a guy to coach quarterbacks. And, and that's just it, though. That's and, and sure, you're you're making the point that these coaches aren't infallible. And you're right. I agree 100% with you. Coaches are not infallible. But I still don't think that, um, that Malzahn made the wrong decision because look at Joey Gatewood's college career. It, it has been oh, bad I, at I three he, different places. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry, um, dude. I, I think he made the – the, right, the wrong decision entirely. I think Malik Willis should have been the quarterback of that football team from the get-go. Uh, that, there's just some people, and I've said this on this show and, and, and other shows, um, there's some guys, for whatever reason, nobody seems to know the reason, they just react better in game time. And I think he was one of those guys. And it goes back to Gus Malzahn was more obsessed with what he wanted than what he needed. And, and that, that, um, that's the part that bothers me the most. But I really think it's time for Auburn fans and the powers that be down there to step back and take a look in the mirror and say, okay, if you like the way you like the way things are headed, you're you're you're, you're mistaken because uh, we don't know the way they're headed, and and um, I'm tired of hearing excuses. Uh, the last guy to have a re- have a record losing record was Gene Chizik. That's who Brian Harson is. He's Gene Chizik point two zero. Question two, real quick, Terry. We got a minute left. Who would you hire if you let go Brian Harson today? Stoops at Kentucky. Okay. I go get Mike Stoops at Kentucky. You think he'd leave? 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if he'd leave or not, but but uh, he, that's the guy I would want. That's my thing. That's, is that if you did want to make this move, and we asked this question about Malzahn a year ago, and Terry, I got to let you go. We're about to go to break. I appreciate the call, my man. Sure, no worries. That was Terry on the line with us. Here's my thing about if somebody wants to let go of Brian Harson, who who are you going to get? Because you're you are beyond the, like we're at the end of the coaching carousel, and you have to you you will have just fired somebody after one year here at Auburn. Mike Stoops ain't leaving Kentucky where he just signed an extension to where if he wins seven games, he gets an extra year every time that happens. And if that's your best option that you're going to go out and get Mike Stoops, I just don't think that that's going to – I don't think that that's going to fly because I don't think he's coming. And then what are you going to go and get? Because those other guys aren't leaving their places. Matt Campbell's not leaving Iowa State. He's got it made too, just like Mike Stoops. I saw somebody tweet about Urban Meyer earlier today. That's not happening. Bob Stoops isn't either. So uh, right now I think Auburn fans just need to have some patience with Brian Harson moving forward in the program. We got 30 minutes left of On the Line. We'll have Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President, on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, 30 minutes left in the show, and then it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pegg here with us from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Now joining us on the phone lines, as promised, Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President and Weagle 91.1 FM Sports Director. He was at the Birmingham Bowl today. Jacob, how's it going? It's good. How are you, Noah? I'm doing all right. Friend of the program, good to have you on. Uh, You're a lot cheerier than Lance was, who was – Awfully disappointed. I'm sure you're disappointed as well, but major takeaways from today's Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, look, it was a fun atmosphere at the Birmingham Bowl. Texas Stadium is a great new stadium that I'm happy that UAB has now and the Birmingham Bowl as well. And, you know, as it goes for Auburn, yeah, it was a tough loss. And, and, and really, with all the losses that Auburn had coming into this game, it, it's really hard to be you're disappointed, obviously. You want to win this game against the top 20 program, but you can't really be uh, too unhappy with what Auburn did today because they had chances to win, but they didn't do it today. So, you know, they didn't pull it out, but here we are. Talk more about the environment there. You're from the Birmingham area. You know what used to be there in Birmingham for UAB. On top of that, the bowl environment. This is not like the most attractive bowl game in the world to go to for any team in the country. Houston probably wanted better considering they were ranked and number and had an 11 win season. Auburn, honestly, I, I thought they should have been playing in the Texas Bowl, but I get it from a geographic standpoint. They sold it out. What did it feel right. like from an atmosphere standpoint? Yeah, right. It used to be in Legion Field, and and, and Legion Field's really old. It, it really should it should be going down soon at some point and. Uh, and, and the point is, is that, like you said, Auburn, in a geographic standpoint, it's the right call to put them in the Birmingham Bowl if you're the SEC because that place is packed. It, it was full through the brim uh, when Auburn, uh, when the game started and until the very end. So it, it was a fun environment to be in, and I really, um, I, re- I really think that Protective Stadium will continue to be a great uh, environment for UAB to play in and as well as the Birmingham Bowl. So, I'm glad Auburn actually experienced it this year, even though they didn't win that game. And you know, and like you said, Houston had more of the motivation. They were they had 11 wins. 
they played in the conference championship and they wanted to end with a bowl win. So, you know, it, it, it was something like that. But I'm, I'm happy with the environment and I'm happy with what Auburn did until until the very end when they when they lost the game. But likewise, I think the question was answered if it was even raised, and it was raised throughout bowl preparation of whether or not Auburn wanted to be there. I thought Auburn's effort showed folks that they did. Yeah, absolutely, they did, and and really, TJ Finley, even though I wouldn't say the statistics will show it, he performed, you know, well enough to give Auburn a chance. It wasn't enough to win, but he gave Auburn enough of a chance to win, and Dane Bates play well. Even with all the rumors surrounding him being in the transfer portal and whatnot, I think the defense played well as well. Chandler Wooden came in with a huge interception. That was one of the best plays of his career uh, late in the second half. And I, I really think that they showed up, and they showed up to win, and it just wasn't meant to be. Houston did a good job of playing it well as well. Man, their quarterback, they, they, he really scrambled well, but uh, it really was on just the offense not being able to execute as well in the second half as well as whatever they got in scoring range. So um, I, I was really happy with what the offense did until they got in scoring range. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward with the quarterback position. Against a quality opponent and a quality rush defense. So I'm definitely excluding the South Carolina game here. Today was Tank Bigsby's best game of the season, hands down. Averaged over five yards per carry on the season. He's been averaging 4.8. Uh, he almost had 100 yards, had 96 on the ground on 18 carries. He did not score a touchdown, but he was Auburn's leading receiver today with five receptions for 68 yards. It's bad for the receiver room, but it's great for Tank Bigsby. He flourished today. He was awesome. Hey, hey, you know what? Give credit to the offensive line as well. We haven't done that a lot this year, but I think today the offensive line did a good job at times protecting the quarterback and especially in the run game doing a good job at getting Tank Bigsby holes and in a passing game, especially whenever uh, they gave TJ Finley time, uh, the receivers were able to get holes, especially on the screen passes and the short passes. Tank Bigsby especially was able to make room and uh, and really move the ball because of the offensive line's work. So, you know, I think that Tank Bigsby's going to have a big year next year because of the momentum he's bringing in. And who knows who the quarterback's going to be? We don't know that right now, but we know that Tank Bigsby is going to be He's starting running back coming into the next season, and that he's going to be the uh, leading guy in the offense. So that's the mo- most important thing. So we'll see what uh, uh, what Tank Bigsby brings into the 2022 season. After all that was made about the defense this season in select games, really only two or three, Auburn's really played excellent down the stretch against Alabama, against Houston today, holding them to 17 points. What did you see out of the defense uh, over the last two games? Let's extend it out beyond just today. Talk to us about today, of course, but beyond just today, Auburn ended the year and finished the year strong on defense. Right, and I'll start with the negative, and that's just the quarterback scrambling. I think that they didn't really contain uh, just the quarterback that well, but other than that, I do think the defense performed really well, and Derek Mason had a great game plan for Houston to really prevent any kind of uh, uh, electric passing game or anything like that. So, you know, the defense wasn't the problem today. Uh, Smoke Monday had a great game until he got ejected for targeting. Uh, Jalen Simpson, the same thing. He he had a great game until he had a targeting call on him and was ejected. So, you know, I, I'm I'm not complaining about the defense at all. I think the offense was the reason for the loss and that the defense 
put the offense in a position to win. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And the Houston offense is great. So the defense did its job and did as much as they could to give the offense a chance to win. Talk to me about the targeting penalties because I think they were absolute jokes. I and, agree. And we, I need, agree. and we need the rule changed, of course, too, so expound upon that. Yeah, yeah, I'll explain. And, you know, what I think about the targeting penalty is, you know, sometimes there aren't, you know, Monday was actually called two targetings in the game in the first quarter or the second quarter. Uh, he got called back on one because, you know, it looked like that was the one that could have been talk, called for targeting, but he kind of missed on it. So, in my opinion, the way the targeting penalty needs to be changed or, you know, differentiated is maybe two targeting per game is the way you get expected because, you know, I don't think a lot of targetings are, um, you know, necessarily meant to be. Like, sometimes it just happens. And the way the court, you know, we look back at the Penn State game, the Jacoby McClain targeting was a joke. And now we get to the, today where uh, Monday and Jalen Simpson are ejected. I don't think they should be ejected either. I mean, dare I say 100% of the targeting penalties called against Auburn this year were absolute jokes? Like, I can't think of one that was actually warranted. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of one right now. I won't say 100%, but, you know, definitely most targeting calls on Auburn were, you know, not right. They should not have been called, and I think that the rule – I think you can use Auburn as a lot of the examples to change the rule because specifically the – the Toby McLean and today, as well as with, Zoke, uh, with Smoke Monday and Jalen Simpson, that that rule is not where we need it to be right now because that's not the point of the rule. The point of the rule is to uh, get is to reject players that are maybe trying to uh, uh, maybe hurt a player or something like that. That's not what Smoke Monday or Jalen Simpson were trying to do. They were trying to make a play and they happen to be leading with their head or the crown of the helmet. And I, and I think the rule has worked. Like, I, I think what they've done, or, or the idea of the rule, or like the intentions of it, have worked to discourage guys getting decapitated. I mean, it, it has. I mean, let's just be real. Guys pull up. We are at an all-time low, I feel like, for players getting blown up in college football. It is clear. You can watch games and see that defenders have altered the way that they played the game. And one sure could make the argument that it's because of the threat of ejection. But let's just be real. If all of these Auburn penalties that we've just talked about this year, these targeting penalties, were that obscure or that arbitrary this year that it could have gone either way, that means that the guys shouldn't have been ejected. There's just not enough substance there to object to, to to eject a guy. That's I mean, it's like sending someone to jail for something that you clearly should just give them a fine for. It, it is you are policing something that does not exist in football anymore, and, it, and it's outrageous to me. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, the targeting rule isn't a bad rule, but I think the way it's enforced is what the issue is. You know, officials go to the replay booth and they look at it. And they still sometimes get it wrong, and that's how that's throw the officials on the field. But sometimes it's the officials, uh, wherever they may be, in Birmingham for the SEC, or you know, looking in the the replay booth. It's just something that you know, ejecting a guy in their last game ever that that really hurts. And I also think that sometimes you know, so Monday is not trying to injure a guy or target a guy. It just is the way the rule is, and I think that's why it needs to be changed because. There are there are reasons for it to eject a guy. If he does it twice in the game, absolutely. They need to be ejected. But the way it is set up now, you, you get one chance. If you make a mistake, you're screwed and you're out of the game. 
I don't think that's the right way it should be called. And I think that we are moving towards the point where everyone is calling for it to be changed, and I hope that we do move towards that. Jacob, Auburn basketball game tomorrow. You are the Auburn Jungle president. Message to the students, to the fans out there. They're not back yet, but they probably should be for tomorrow. Yeah, the, the huge thing for tomorrow is if you are soon and you're listening, show up, be early, line up, and it's going to be a huge game. That's almost a top 15 match. It might should be. LSU's undefeated. Auburn should probably be in the top 10, but it's a top 20 matchup nonetheless, and I, I really am looking forward to it because it's one of the top uh, uh, top games for Auburn's home slate uh, this 2021 through 2022 season. So I really want students to show up, but even if the students don't show up, those that bought holiday bleacher tickets, they need to follow the students' lead and really bring the environment. And it needs to be electric. It needs to be rocking. It needs to be crazy because – you know, Will Way last week, he called it the toughest environment in the SEC. We need to prove him right and show what the Auburn Jungle is about. And uh, especially in the SEC environment, after 665 days, that's how long it will have been since the last SEC game in front of a packed jungle. That's a huge deal. And I really think that uh, the fans will show up and they will show out. And that's such an important thing in front of a undefeated LSU team that's ranked 16th in the country on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Show up. Let's do it. Message to the bowl above the student section, of course, as well. I think that can extend out uh, to the older generations as well. That place needs to, as Will Wade put it, have people hanging from the rafters. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the thing is, is Coach Brown, you know, whenever you see him pumping up the crowd, they just need to follow his lead. Whenever he's pumping them up, they need to stand up and just bring the energy because it's contagious. That's that's the goal of the jungle is to be a contagious environment that when they bring the energy and they really bring it, they need to follow our lead. And that's so important tomorrow because you're playing the undefeated LSU team that is so motivated to start SEC play the right way. Auburn's the same way. And the way we do that is by bringing the energy and not letting them get comfortable. So I'm looking forward to – the best environment we've seen in Auburn Arena since 2020 in March. I've made this statement a couple of times over the last two days, and I want to hear your thoughts on this statement right here. One of these two teams is about to realize, or one of these two fan bases are about to realize that their team isn't as good as they thought it was. Right, yeah. I, I think that that's a very good point because I would say that LSU's played a bit of a weaker schedule than Auburn, but I won't say that Auburn's played an extremely tough schedule. You know, the, the, the battle for Atlantis was a good test for Auburn. Murray State was a good test for Auburn. But other than that, you look at other teams' schedules, and it, it's tough to say that they've really uh, proven themselves. So that's why tomorrow is such an important game. And I really think that Al Flanagan coming back, we might see a different starting lineup as well, with Flanagan being more comfortable with his, uh, with his uh, uh, repaired Achilles. So I, I really think that this is a big game for Auburn to show themselves that they truly are a contender in the SEC. And even if they lose, it's not going to be the end of the world. So win this game, you know you're a contender in the SEC. Lose it. You still got to bounce back, especially if you're Auburn, 
and play hard at South Carolina and at Alabama. Jacob, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. An icon in the Auburn Twitterverse. Tell everybody where they can find you, my man. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow the Jungle social media as well at AU Jungle on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to post a lot of content, uh, content soonly, so uh, we look forward to doing that. And uh, it, it's just going to be a fun time in January and February. And good Lord, we hope March is a good one. Safe drive back, my man. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow doing your thing out there in the jungle, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Now, War Eagle. War Eagle to you as well. That was Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president. That is the Auburn student section, the official student section at Auburn University, as well as he is the sports director at Weagle 91.1 FM, friend of the program. He's been on the show a few times. Uh, he, he is a great friend of mine, and I look forward to tomorrow's basketball game uh, as we are now fully into basketball season as Auburn football lost to Houston today in the Birmingham Bowl. More of On the Line, we wrap up the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Just four minutes left in the show until the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Here on the Tuesday afternoon on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama, Auburn falls to Houston 17-13 in the Birmingham Bowl to have a losing record for the first time since 2012. 6-7 season for Auburn this year in 2012, of course, that was the season to not be named. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight before we get out of here. Movies and sports for your Tuesday evening viewing. A crew of action films' best stars combined for The Expendables 2 on FX at 7 p.m. 80s classic with Police Academy 1 and 2 on IFC starting at 545. And live sports, we've got several bowl games on this evening at 545 on ESPN. Mike Leach, still a little bitter, clashes with his old team as Mississippi State plays Texas Tech in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. The Holiday Bowl was canceled, so we'll take that one off of our list. Wrapping up the night at 9.15 on ESPN, West Virginia and Minnesota play in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. College basketball at 7 p.m. on ACC Network. Notre Dame is at Pittsburgh. At 7.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network, Lehigh is at Maryland. The NBA schedule has two games on NBA TV. At 6.30, the Wizards are at the Heat. And at 9, the Nuggets are at the Warriors. And that is what's on TV tonight. Of course, post-game press conferences happening now for the Birmingham Bowl or are you know getting wrapped up actually at about this point Brian Harson and this is a tweet from Christian Clemente friend of the program we'll have him on the show with us tomorrow at C Clemente underscore Brian Harson said this quote the results don't show what our team is really made of and I think there's some truth to that statement unfortunately there's also truth to the statement that you ended the season on a five-game losing streak. I think both can be true, and so it's fair for folks to be unhappy with the way that this season ended. Auburn drops to six and seven, loses five straight after a hot start to the season. So the truth in the statement that the results don't show what our team is really made of is the fact that Auburn was talented enough to get out to a 6-2 and two start, beat an Ole Miss team that has 10 wins right now, beat them by two touchdowns, and that you were also able to beat an Arkansas team that was an 8-9 win team this season, could finish with night wins at the end of the year. Could go on and beat Penn State, a team that you barely lost. to. You look at the results, Auburn lost a lot of close games. Penn State was a one-score game. The Iron Bowl, a one-score game. Houston, a one-score game. South Carolina, a one-score game. The Texas A&M game, although it was a three-score loss, felt like a one-score game. The Mississippi State game, you were up 28-3, and you blew that one. 
I'm missing a loss somewhere because that's just six on my hand right now. And then the Georgia game, yeah, you were never in that one. So uh, other than when it was zero to zero. So when I when I break this down, I think there's a lot of truth to the statement of the results don't quite show what this team is really made of. This team was made of a lot of heart. They put a lot of effort in. They didn't catch a lot of breaks this year. But that still does not excuse the fact that you couldn't find a way to win close games this year. Auburn couldn't win the close ones. And that, I think, is a big storyline of this season. One storyline is Auburn didn't catch a lot of breaks. Another one is that Auburn's offense was inconsistent, atrocious at times. At other times, it was great. But another storyline is that Auburn couldn't find ways to win close games. And what reason is that for? At times, it was for quarterback play. At other times, I think it was for coaching decisions. You know, I think it is true that the results don't show what the team is really made of because, to me, this team is more talented this year than just winning six games. The fact that the way that some of those games unfolded and that you were able to beat some of the teams that you were able to beat this year and that you were able to be competitive against some of the teams that you were able to be competitive against this year shows you that this team is more talented than six and seven. But for whatever reason, they couldn't win the close ball games. And that's the story about this year. For whatever reason, whether it was breaks, atrocious offensive play, coaching decisions, quarterback play, whatever it may be, there always seemed to be something whether it was an excuse or not, there always seemed to be something that prevented Auburn from winning more games than they lost this year. And they're going to have to do everything in their power this offseason. There's a long list of things to do to be able to change that to make sure that that doesn't happen next year. Because if the hot is, if the seat is hot right now, it'll be hotter next year. Scorching if things don't end up better after 2022. That's it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck when we come back. Stay tuned on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama.